0: Hello, and welcome to the Chronicle of Higher Education's ReLearning Podcast, a weekly look at the future of education. I'm Jeff Young, an editor here. If you were to start a new university from scratch, how would you set it up? For Christine Ortiz, a dean at MIT, that question isn't hypothetical. She announced earlier this year that she'll take a leave from her prestigious job to found her own brick-and-mortar campus. And she hopes to make it just as large and well-respected as MIT— or any of the best universities in the world. She plans to skip academic fixtures she sees as holdovers from the past. You won't find any classrooms, for instance, at least not the kind with desks lined up in rows. Instead, she envisions large lab spaces designed for project-based learning. And there won't be typical academic departments. That way, professors can work together more fluidly across disciplines. When we first wrote about her plans a few months ago, the story went viral on social media and people emailed in telling us about their own projects to reboot college. Clearly, she's not alone in thinking that the research university as we know it is showing its age. You're seeing cracks
1: in a lot of the different areas. Um, It will continue, you know, to function as it is, but I just, you know, with everything that's gone on with globalization technology, you know, there's an opportunity to really redesign it and, and um, move it forward, modernize it.
0: I've been curious about what would spark this MIT dean to go out on her own. Who is Christine Ortiz? And what is really driving this ambitious project? I got to interview Ortiz on stage at a session at South by Southwest EDU last month. And I used one short clip from that in today's episode. But most of what follows comes from another conversation I had with her for this podcast. As I found out, the answer to why she's doing this involves experimental body armor, In a retreat where she was cut off from technology for a week. We'll have more right after this. Don't miss the latest stories
1: and analysis about the future of education from the ReLearning Project. Sign up for the weekly newsletter at chronicle.com slash relearning.
0: Christine Ortiz has been at MIT for 17 years. She's certainly not alone in trying to build a new kind of college. But many disruptive efforts these days are started by outsiders, often business folks. She's a lifelong academic. She's someone steeped in traditional higher education. To her, that's her strength, and she's essentially trying to build the kind of university she wished that she had attended or worked in.
1: And I know that um, you know that I would have been much more of a better learner um, going through this, through a system that where I could do projects, and I did projects all throughout. But they're always on; they were always on the periphery, um, and so. I think it's, you know, I, I know it intellectually as a faculty member, but mm-hmm. it was really the core of my own educational experience um, of how I learned the best and what I got the most out of my education. That, when you were um, doing a project or felt yes, like something that was your own? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and also... Um, wanting to you know even as a faculty member I'd say my whole sort of you know experience in academia even throughout um, this sort of drive to really have freedom creative freedom in what I was doing and it was probably very late into my career where I had sort of true like um, freedom to do you know all the crazy ideas in the world that I wanted to pursue and you know, everything, you know, my research sort of exponentially took off at that point Mm -hmm. in directions that, you know, were so much more, um, innovative than when I was sort of constrained. And
0: can you give an example of that where you're looking beyond your disciplinary bounds? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So we started about five years ago, um, with, uh, so I had gotten tenure a few years before, I had a number of very large research grants, so I was, and they didn't have any constraints on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. here I was, sort of, you know, had tenure, had millions of dollars in the bank, and there was no constraints, really, on it. And what happened, what I found was that there was a... Well, there was a complete change in mindset, first of all, of, like, being able to really explore things that were really, really out there. So we were studying... Um, we, my research is on studying the exoskeletons of animals um, and we were looking at it to create bio-inspired armor for the military human armor exoskeletons and at that point what we were able to do was actually integrate architects into my research group mm. and like the whole thing sort of really took off doing sort of computational design mm. of armor, 3D printing of like armor suits for soldiers and and um, just the fact of having, um, being able to fund uh, many, I mean, I've, I've had many students from different disciplines in my research group. But, um, but in particular, putting some artists and architects into the mix, because I always used to have science and engineers, you know, was in, it really changed the, the game for the entire group. They brought in all kinds of um, fabrication methods that that are used in architecture, um, all kinds of design Mm. um, methods. It stimulated creativity in all of the students.
0: I asked around at MIT, and her colleagues said they were surprised. They didn't see this coming. She's well-respected by her peers, but several people told me they had no idea she was so interested in experimental institution building. So there must have been something that set her off. Something that made her quit her tenure job to strike out on her own. If I had to, um,
1: pinpoint
0: a moment
1: like in time it was actually um, a few years ago i participated with students on a leadership retreat it was like a week-long retreat where we were put on in out in a camp with no wi-fi and all this stuff and and um, we had one full day of sort of um deep self-reflection where we took the students through this deep structured self-reflection i was facilitating i said okay i'll do it with them and I sort of knew all the things I was interested in, but uh, it was—I would say—it was that moment where it sort of all came together. As you know, there's a limited time in your life, and uh, you know it takes a long time. You know, MIT—it took 50 years till it really got going. Um, and so I don't have too much longer on on uh, on Earth. So I figured, you know, for the next rest of my life, at least, maybe we can get this going.
0: Access is a driving force for Ortiz. She feels MIT welcomed her and scholars from a range of backgrounds, and she wants to make her new institution a quote, exemplar of diversity and inclusion. I asked her how she plans to do that, especially since other recent experiments have struggled with the access issue. Take MOOCs, for example, those free online courses from MIT and other colleges. They were supposed to bring education to the masses, but they've mainly served the education halves. But Ortiz has some novel ideas for doing outreach through research. There are opportunities for the research university to actually um,
1: uh, go back and support the pipeline of students. And so that's something I'm really interested in, in thinking about, you know, for example, hmm. how could you bring research into the high schools, right? And um, Who better than to sort of Hmm. try and lead that but a research university? You know, I get emails from high school students, many high school students, say, could you be my mentor for a research project I want to do because I don't have it in my high school. High school students can do research. They can do very high-level research. Um, Not just, I know people sometimes say, oh, freshmen can't do research. No, I've had many, many, many students... Um, undergrads freshmen who can do research I actually think high school students can do research and so you know can we you know as one of the the founding principles of access and being a societal platform can we use our um, university to actually help the pipeline remotely like with massive open online research projects or um, with remote mentoring with you know all kinds of things. Um, so it's not just wait and yeah. they
0: will come, and but That's just right. basically go go help. I would like to high do High school students that are I would prepared. Like
1: to, yes, I would like to have that as part. You know, part of the whole thing, and really explore you're, how we can do that.
0: You're tackling. I'm sure you'll have like a lot of fans, but you're tackling very hard problems. Yeah. Because yeah. these are systems that are, you know, you, you by starting your own, you're admitting yeah. that, the, that the college system is not easy to, t- to change to pivot right. an existing college. And and then the K twelve is there's so many issues within within that. So,
1: but I think there may be ways in the in the K twelve system, you know, to not. I mean, you're right to change the actual curriculum. is very difficult, but there may be ways to engage them in continuous research projects outside of that curriculum. That's sort of yeah, as a extracurricular. So that's sort of how I'm thinking of it right now. I mean, they're already taking MOOCs, but there's a huge drive. Mm -hmm. I think for, you know, when I talk to prospective undergraduate students, that's like what's most exciting to them is the idea of coming to do research and to do projects. You know, that's actually the defining sort of thing in their mind when like at least the students that, you know, we're recruiting, um, you know, on their choice of sort of
0: universities. As I talked to other people about her project, I realized something else. The time just seems right to do something like this. One provost at another college that I talked to who's kind of looking around for his next job says the idea of starting his own institutions has actually occurred to him as well. And I don't think that would have been the case even just a couple years ago. Change is kind of in the air. That said, the biggest challenge for Ortiz will be raising money to support her nonprofit. And she is building contingency plans based on different funding levels. I mean, she knows she might have to start small.
1: You know, we'll have different, um, you know, enrollment scenarios
0: and things like that. So is this the university of the future? No lectures since so much is online now? A focus on projects? And just ignoring old disciplinary lines and trying to solve big problems? Will it take starting over from scratch to bring real change? Or is this all straying too far from the important traditions of the academy? We'll be watching. This has been the ReLearning Podcast. It's part of the Chronicle of Higher Education's coverage of innovation at colleges, and you can read our articles at chronicle.com slash relearning. You can also find a link there to a video of Christine Ortiz talking about the plans for her university. If you like this podcast, take a moment to give it a rating on iTunes. Apparently that helps others find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter, at relearningedu, or like our Facebook page. Today's show was produced by me, Jeff Young. Our theme music was by Jason Cadell. We'll be back next week with more stories about the new learning landscape.